Hello and welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful Cyberpunk 2077 episode of Normandy FM. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Ellen, joined by Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm good. I'm ready to have an episode where we get to the shit that sucks. Oh boy. <laughs> we get to really grapple with some stuff in this one. Um... And we will not be grappling alone because we brought not one, but two guests on to help us out. First off, friend of the show, you know well, Diego, how you doing? Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm also ready for the uh, existential crisis that this episode is going to mm-hmm, bring mm-hmm. to all of us. <laughs> yeah. Diego, uh, we'll let you introduce yourself, but in a moment, because we also have Alma. Alma, how are you doing? Hello, yeah, I'm doing well. Um, excited to get into it. Heck yes. Uh, we'll we'll start we'll start with Diego. Diego, tell us a little bit about yourself and your your history with cyberpunk. Uh, yeah. So my history was uh, okay. So I'm uh, a freelance journalist from Argentina. Uh, you probably see my work at places like Fanbyte and Eurogamer and Polygon and a couple of others. Uh, and I'm also the editor-in-chief of Into the Spine, which is a small site uh, where a lot of freelancers have come and by. Um, and yeah, that's me. And that's about... I mean, my perception with Cyberpunk is kind of weird because I did mostly guides for that game. Mm. Um, but even so, like, I, I got to enjoy the story. And I mean, I think we all have like, mixed feelings about the game. Uh, but the more time passes, the more, I don't know, I, I have come to like appreciate some of the themes and the uh, moments in the story, I think. That would be my, uh, my stand on the game. Awesome. Alma, how about you? What, what, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your connection with Cyberpunk. Yeah, so I work in the music industry by day and I, wor- I write about culture in mostly... I used to work to write mostly about music and podcasts, and then I accidentally started writing about video games. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mostly uh, write for Unwinnable these days. And mm. I ended up, so I ended up buying Cyberpunk when it was, I guess they did that soft relaunch, you know, when they did that big patch in February. Mm. Um, and it was half off, so I was like, you know, what the hell? Um, I'll try it. And I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought I would. Obviously, it has its flaws, as we all know. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would, and I ended up writing this, like, I think it was like 2,500 word essay for Unwinnable about it. So, again, it's a mixed bag, I think, but I think I'm, I, I've joked before that I'm probably one of the people in the world who probably enjoy the themes in this game and have thought about it the hardest because mm. most people obviously do not right. and which is justified <laughs> given the reception <laughs> oh well that, that's good that's what we want here that's the energy we want here is is digging into this stuff even if it's uh not always <laughs> the best time digging into it um awesome i'm, I'm so glad we've got y'all on and and guesting for the show this is uh, the second week in a row now we've had just packed to the gills with guests, and it's it's uh, exciting to have you all both on. So today we're talking about, well, we'll call this like the, the, the Evelyn episodes, because this is really the, the big, as, as we soon discover, uh, finale for the Evelyn 
uh, <laughs> quest line, let's say. Um, but it's also uh, the start of, of Judy stuff, and it's when the game really digs into a lot of uh, discussions around the mocks and sex workers in Cyberpunk 2077, and, and really what a lot of these... Uh, pleasure sides of the the industry of night city how they operate how they function um and we'll start with automatic love uh because now as 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 we have picked up from last episode we we kind of have our different branches that we can go off on to try and track different things down follow leads and we can choose to go to lizzie's bar uh to find evelyn and, and figure out, you know, maybe she got hired by somebody, so maybe her handler knows something. Uh, we can call Judy ahead of time to let her know we're coming, uh, which is nice. It's important that you let your friends know before you're coming over. <laughs> and, um, uh, it's, it's an interesting discussion because, as you might expect, Judy is very standoffish with you, the player, as well as uh, Evelyn and some others for how the heist went down what has happened since this is where they kind of backfill like what has public perception of the heist been so far and the the news is bad (laughs) (laughs) uh so we head over to say hi in person and this is where we start to get our first sprinkling of uh lore with the mocks and joy toys is judy is loudly arguing with someone who is presumably her boss uh, saying that Joy Toys can't keep coming to Lizzie's bar in search of safety. Um, the w- the the woman, presumably Judy's boss, is very mad because she thinks Judy's telling them to come here, but Judy says it's just the bar's rep. It's it's a safe place for for sex workers to flee to. Uh, we we get a little bit of that flavor, but also some of the the tension, I guess, that is happening in this world. Um, it is always interesting to me that like Judy uh, has such a role in the middle of all this. It's you know she's not uh, a doll. She's kind of the caretaker of the virtues that they run. Um, but it, this is like the window that we get into all this. And as we we talk with her and try to figure stuff out, we get to learn more and more and more about how Evelyn was involved in all this and and the different kinds of work that is happening across these sectors. Um, so, I'll I'll say up front, I did not pass the cool stat check <laughs> to, to make things cool with Judy. So my discussion was a little bit more tense. Ken, how did yours go? You're you're cooler than I am, of course, <laughs> both in stats and real life. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, was, how how did your talk go? It was interesting watching a lot of the things that we're gonna talk about in this episode, having already played through it myself and just seeing how much they diverged. Because like. When you have the cool stat check, you can just, like, get to the point. Like, I need to know who hired her. I'm not after Evelyn. I'm not here to, like, you know, cause any problems with her or be mad about how things went on the heist. And then at that point, she did kind of, like, you know, lets down her guard a little bit and just tells us that she worked at a place called Clouds, which is another sort of a sex worker um, uh, establishment, I guess, uh, across Night City. Um, whereas when I was watching you do it, like, the fight got heated and grovelly and... A lot more uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's, you know that's that's the tagline to life for me is is probably mm-hmm. <laughs> a little uncomfortable to watch, <laughs> but uh, I I do think it's important we we stop here and maybe do some groundwork laying because we've got kind of now two different established 
um, kinds of sex work that are happening in Night City. We've got the virtues and stuff that that Judy mainly deals with, and that seems to be the uh, go-to for uh, Lizzie's bar is, is these brain dances that you can essentially go into that uh, the, that are compiled from the sex workers' experiences, and they're kind of like a mix of VR and AR almost. Um, and then you have the dolls at Cloud, which we'll go into specific in depth about the encounter that you, the player have with the dolls when we get there. But early on, we're told that the way dolls work is they get a chip and it basically allows them to become a personality, um, and Mm. serve that purpose, uh, do that kind of work, um, in, in that they take on like a mask of personality and basically they're, they're, um, as we as we learn at clouds later, their memory is very. Uh, it, it's like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like random access memory. It's like it's it, they. It is there for the session, but they do not retain any of the knowledge that mm-hmm. happens there and all that. Um, so I guess I'll I'll start with Alma. Like, what do you kind of think of the portrayal of sex work in Night City and uh, how they're presenting it up front in in this mission? Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of it is. Obviously, when you kind of, like, I think a lot of stuff in cyberpunk, but specifically sex work, when you first see it, you're like, well, of course it's like this. You know, Mm -hmm. this seems like a very kind of logical endpoint of what would happen with the technology that they have in Night City in 2077, right? But when you actually think about it on the face of it, the fact that they don't remember what actually happens in the sessions, you're like, oof. You know, it gets a little bit more murky on that Mm -hmm. side. And I guess... I do like that they didn't go, like, they kind of nuanced it in the sense that, like, the workers at Lizzie's Bar are a lot more, you know, doing this by choice a lot, treated a lot better. And mm-hmm. they didn't just go, like, oh, all sex work is terrible and horrifying for everyone involved, right. right? But Clouds, I think, to me, was definitely a very kind of more harrowing experience, I think. And I guess, like, it does tie into, I guess, the larger themes of the game that are about, you know, memory and chips and you know all that and whatnot what people can do to your brain but yeah i think it is definitely i think they did do it well but it did make me quite uncomfortable when i played through it Mm -hmm. diego how about you like what do you think of this early like um tone setting for for the sex work that we're going to be diving into in cyberpunk yeah it's definitely uh yeah i mean it's it is a mixed feeling uh like for example the um the scene at clouds it's like it's play in like a certain way i mean it's like super like uh like almost like emotional for me and everything uh but then it's like as soon as you say the safe word the change in like the doll's mm. personality is so abrupt right uh mm. that i mean that that kind of resonates with what with uh what alma is saying that it's like um i mean yeah that there's uh there's someone there, but the the person you see, like the personality you see, is like completely different. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's tough to reconcile, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, it's it's interesting how both like um, places are are portraying like the difference between like VR, AR, and like mm-hmm. this. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. Mm. It's 
it's a weird thing early on that we get this like distinction between virtues which are kind of the you know the sensory nature of it and then once we get to clouds and we do the scene there um that one is implied to be more of like almost therapeutic in a way um Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting that they draw a very flat delineation between the two although you know clouds they're very much like oh you know you get what you need in there so there's implications that that could be anything and so in this case rv very much does need therapy (laughs) (laughs) um it's it, it does feel like this point where they've like alma was saying they they looked at the technology of mm-hmm. night city and said what what could this come to but I, i'm interested as we get further to dig into what they actually end up doing with any of this um judy uh you know eventually tells us that evelyn is a doll uh used to work at a place called clouds and so that's our lead that's where we go um judy is like hey can you please just you know if you get in touch with her let us know how she's you know let me know how she's doing uh which we do because we're you know we're not trying to be a dick to to judy (laughs) um and uh a bouncer can like cheekily say that we're just doing this because judy's brain dances are the best and i i noted that too because i was just like that felt like a really weird thing to do and suddenly made me wonder if like again brain dances were supposed to be a bigger part of this game and not just like a side game mini game activity for this one specific side of the game um who yeah i who's to say i ended up just walking out like i didn't respond to her i was just like that was dumb that's a dumb thing to assume of a stranger and so i I said that judy's brain dances are the best because you know we gotta loudly market to the people in the bar you know be like yeah (laughs) judy's brain dances at lizzie's bar on 18th and ave are the best (laughs) um so we head over to to jig jig street to to go track down clouds and by the way i want to bring this up at this point um and we have johnny silverhands talking to us now all the time who i'm gonna call johnny silverhands once before I just start calling, silver hand. Sorry, not Singular. one hand, one hand. Yeah, he has we, one silver hand. Yeah, it it is Johnny Silver Hand, but Keanu Reeves, not Johnny Silver Hands and Keanu Reeves. Uh, so mm. I, I'm just gonna call him Keanu for the rest of the episode. But <laughs> uh, he starts talking to us here, and this is where we kind of get the, as I mentioned in a previous episode, the Joker from Arkham Knight symptom of oh we're gonna have johnny pop up and and comment on the things you say and boy does johnny silverhand suck in this Mm. entire section just the biggest piece of shit um just the lowest regard for any sex worker then also oh once we get to clouds and he starts doing the huh guess you couldn't get any even if you tried v i was like shut the fuck up keanu reeves i oh they do such i i don't know ken you are someone who who enjoys the the relationship with with johnny a little Mm -hmm. bit and i'm curious how that was coming through this time for you so just like put it out there for the future of the season I think Johnny get the Johnny V relationship gets better much later than this because 
not even in this, not even just in this episode, but another one, the, the actual Judy episode we're gonna have, because I've been playing ahead, um, Johnny Silverhand sucks, like, it's very emblematic of Cyberpunk 2077's kind of, like, vision of the future that is, like, dystopian, but also does not believe that anything can be better, or that, that and there's any sort of genuine feeling or, like, goodness amongst these people, because, like, you know, his, his sort of, um, MO is to be cynical towards everybody, and so... Here, he's like, oh, he thinks that Jews hide something, and when we ask what he's talking about, he's just like, I got a feeling, and then you say, oh, so what you meant to say is that you're full of shit. Like, you're just mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. shit up. And, you know, like, to some degree, I think that actually, like, fits in with the character, because, like, this is a, a guy who has basically come back from the dead in some sort of way and found out that, like, you know, this act of, like, revolutionary terrorism that he tried to do meant nothing. Like, like any, any hope that something can be different or better in his eyes is gone. And... That's all well and fine, but it's just, like, it is grating in the ways that, like, this man will come at the absolute worst possible time to say some shit. And here, like, you know, I I at least appreciated that we had the chance to, like, call him out and be like, oh, so you're just, like, making shit up. You're just doubting people without any actual, like, substantial reason. And so that was at least refreshing. Yeah, I I like that the game gives you the ability to just call Johnny out on his, on his shit Mm -hmm. frequently. Uh, But it still is like going to subject you to it all the time. And and more than that, and I guess we'll talk about this when we get to actual like submission we have in the middle of all this. I, I don't feel like it always has a clear idea of where it's going. It kind of felt like they had blocks of time where they said, well, let's have Johnny pop up and talk to you because V is kind of moving between a place like we are right now. And this would be a great time to have Johnny pop up and talk to V. And so they just have Johnny pop up and say something like offensive or like yeah, anger it, inducing. And I think like <laughs> to get to kind of like frame this in a way that I think is like kind of more positive. I think like, you know, we talked about like the broad cynicism of this game in various points throughout the season so far. And I think like Johnny does show up in a way that is almost like the game asking you a question about something and giving you the opportunity to, like, really feed into that nihilism or fight against it, and that has been, like, you know, very paramount to a lot of things that I've been doing in this game, like, trying to be a character who pushes against that very bleak worldview that the game has, and Johnny's just, like, that kind of made corporeal to, like, be a thing that you can actually, like, speak your feelings on things into the game, and I like that, at least, um, even if it means that he's, going like, again, going to be insufferable for a lot of this game. Yeah, I agree. I definitely played this game in a sense of having V be like, no, you know what, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to play into all of this. And I definitely think that the fact that he starts out as as this, like, absolute horrible asshole definitely makes, I guess, like, the later game all the better because Mm. their relationship does get a lot better. But, yeah, it's, like, I think it's very, in a way, you kind of expect that he's going to treat women that way, that he's going to talk about women that way because he's, like, this famous rock star. So, obviously, to him, like, women are objects, right? Mm -hmm. But it is especially i think for me personally i played with female v Mm. um so it was very much like this moment of like the person whose body you're in is also a woman if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um so it's like maybe shut the fuck up for five seconds right um but yeah no i definitely agree i think johnny is is definitely a wild card in that moment and they definitely do use him to just be like okay here's this guy's opinion because there's nothing happening at this moment right Mm. Yeah, it's uh. He exists to be devil's advocate. It's it's there. Yeah. It's yeah. We'll we'll talk more about him in a moment, but, um, 
we, we head into the reception of clouds and the the person at the reception tells us hey you know jack into this modem that we have here and we'll find you a doll and we're obviously like hey you know just plug in a wire in anywhere this might have been my specific stat check because i had really high tech or whatever uh he'd be like yeah just plugging into any old modem right. is probably not a good idea and they're like oh well if something goes bad, you can always sue us. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. That's my, you can always just sue us. Sure. is really just raising a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> but uh, we basically, you know, we need to keep up appearances while we get in here and talk to the actual workers and, and uh, see if they know what has been going on with Evelyn, if Evelyn is here. Um so we we plug in and it pings us and says oh we found we happened to find two different people who would work as your uh as your doll and one of them is male and the other is female look at that Woo! <laughs> i'm just always like astounded by the ways that this game uh falls into binaries in weird ways because uh, mm -hmm. I was reminded of it when before this we'll talk about the actual mission later that'll be in our act two side quest uh, episode but I did the uh, heroes mission which uh, has you know Jackie's ofrenda and all that where you end up getting the motorcycle and talking to mama wells and all that uh, but there's a, a part where you are talking with Misty and Misty is explaining why Mama Wells is unhappy with her, and and she once again is like, oh, because she probably doesn't like Jackie's, uh, goth girl output or whatever. And I was like, oh right, this dumb input output thing again. <laughs> like, love that we live in a future where they're like, you know what, we should really maintain binaries. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's what carries into the future. Ugh. Um. But that is also how this game decided to handle romance and all types of things around that. I think the joy toys are, are that way, too, that um, you, you pretty much pick either masculine or fem feminine presenting uh, joy toys. So we have the choice of either Sky or Angel. Um, <laughs> and I like your note, Ken. <laughs> hetero dudes freaked out when when angel was a man oh yeah um, like when the game first launched they didn't have like the, the big ui thing that showed up they just had their names oh they um, just said the names yeah so, pe so <laughs> people oh, would just okay. pick <laughs> yeah which was cause, like i hadn't played this this section since they added that update so like it was just very funny to get back and it's like here are the photos of these two individuals so you know what you're picking <laughs> oh my god that's really funny <laughs> <laughs> A man named Angel. Wow, <laughs> why? Mm. Um, just dudes screaming at their computer. Um, so we 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 pay our our five hundred bucks and and deposit our weapons and head on in, and you know we can kind of walk around, but we can't really see much here. So we go into the booth. Um, for the purposes of our episode, Ken did the Angel route. I did the Sky route. Um, we we get a, a reveal of these full names. So Ken got called Vincent, and I got called Valerie, which I also thought was very strange. I was like, why do they need to to go out of their way to say like, oh no, don't worry, V's full name starts with a V. Like, I don't. I know. I think it was just meant to be like a moment that shows that this the doll like knows you to some extent. 
it's the future. It's, you know, why can't someone just be named V? <laughs> that's that's my beef with it. It's, I do think it's kind of interesting that they, you go into the, ses- the session where obviously this is not the, the doll's real name, right? Mm-hmm. And that is when your real name is revealed. I do think that is kind of a fun spot for them mm. to put it. But I agree that, like, I did not expect there to be a full name. I thought that their name was just V, like, full on. There, there is some interesting subtext there in terms of like, oh, this, you know, doll clouds is basically like scraping your personal info to the level that they discover your full name and all that. And that maybe it, you know, if, if we look at this as like the program is kind of taking over and running and they are, you know, providing a service at this point, the program is not really the best at being sensitive to personal norms like not you know if somebody goes in and says like oh hey i'm v they're not looking for that they're just looking for the info in the system and then corresponding you know it's it's the difference between having a person on the end of the line or a robot on the end of the line and the ways in which those can kind of be unempathetic towards how people are um and and the information they choose to present to others um i don't know Maybe, I think on maybe top of that, like, they are very, I mean, at least in the, the scene, like, they are very empathetic to you. I mean, it, it, it is invasive in its own way. And I think, like, the game does give you the option to opt out of that immediately, which yeah. is an interesting choice. Um, oh, uh, I should mention at this point that we had to pick a safe word, um, which I chose samurai, because that's the, like, afterlife was is a weird one to pick, I think. Um and Samurai is funny because it's what Keanu Reeves says in the trailer. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. It's if also you can like get his other band options. name. That like oh, that was why right yeah yeah that, that's why I picked Samurai because like we just had this really annoying conversation with Johnny where he's been really shitty. So I was like, you want know, to be a funny fuck you? Just make make Silver Hand the safe word. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, no. Wait. <laughs> Wait, do you think that Johnny Silverhand safe word is like NFT? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Web he would 3. definitely Damn. get into crypto. Web three. <laughs> um, Damn, you know what Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven doesn't have NFTs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the most hopeful vision of the future it's had yet. <laughs> um, it does have Delamain though, so we can't say it's all good. Um, as as we kind of get into this, I think Ken and I both went the route of like going as far as we could with the conversation. This is probably like the the meat of the stew that we're making here on the pod today. This this one conversation with the uh, with the worker at Clouds because it quickly becomes a very intense therapy session for V, covering topics such as, "Hey, you're dying. What's death like? You're gonna die again," <laughs> and um, and and diving into a lot of the themes. I did think. I'll, I'll say up front, as, as we kind of wheel our way through this haphazardly, I did think it was strange that at times it kind of laid into themes that I felt like I was trying to intentionally avoid uh, leading into this. So uh, in, in my case, Sky is, is telling me that like, oh, you want, to, you want to be a legend. You don't want to just be erased from the history books. Whereas my V in most conversations so far has kind of rebuffed that idea and rejected it. But because I 
picked a certain option somewhere. I guess it kind of flagged in that dialogue line. But overall, this does feel like a very good thematic pinning for mm. you know, this. This is what I, again, like to call, I think I've said it on this podcast before, the the Butler in the Batman movies moment where uh, Michael Caine, or in this case, a sex worker at Clouds, uh, tells you the themes of the work mm. <laughs> and speaks, <laughs> speaks them directly to you. Uh and it's very much, you know, we get this line about, oh, just burn it all down if you have to, like, make a mess, make a mark, um, and don't be afraid of, of what's to come. Um, it is a really cool moment, I think. It's one that I did not expect my first time playing around. I was very surprised by it. Um, it, it is a moment where I think that Cyberpunk shows it has a little bit more going on than just a lot of what the rest of this series of missions is, which is once we get to the part where we're actually playing Cyberpunk, the FPS, um, mm. it's not as interesting. But uh, this definitely took me by surprise the first time I played. Uh, how did you feel about it, Diego? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely was a surprise given that, I don't know, you go into that session uh, as you're playing, like you know you're playing Cyberpunk, and you're like, okay, that's going to be like a weird shitty minigame here or something like that uh no <laughs> the first thing you hear is like hey you're dying it's like okay um yeah i remember that i think it's like one of the scenes that i most remember from the game um and i mean that this game has been out for like um it's been a while and it's still it's still stuck in my head for many reasons mm. uh and i was as i was like um re-watching the the scene after the after uh, before recording um i don't know like some some of the things that um that he said in that session like i don't know like i just picture like uh like be like this person is like okay you're you're like you have this promise of like a i don't know like nice city as a haven or something like that uh and it's like yeah you, you're you're so on this like idea of like success and being someone and being like a huge uh person in this world and it's like instead of people who trust to turn their back on you uh mm. your best friend is dead all the success and fame wasn't enough to like save him and it's like all for what uh and i don't know it's like um that burn everything phrase is like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think it definitely set the tone for the rest of the game at least for me um and all of this happening, like, quote-unquote, like, the beginning of the story, I think it's really interesting. Um, I don't know. It's a good scene. Which is... it's a, It feels like an scene... Uh, I don't want to say that the game hasn't earned that scene mm. yet, maybe. Uh, but it's definitely a standout in a way that, I don't know, I wasn't expecting, I think. Mm -hmm. mm. Alma, how did you kind of feel about this section? Yeah, I definitely agree with Diego. I think it's, like, what's really interesting to me, one of my favorite things about Cyberpunk 2077 that really drew me in, that was the, the moment where I was like, oh, actually, this might be good, mm. um, thematically, well, you know, mechanically debatable, um, is really the themes about death, really, mm. to me, is what I really enjoyed a lot when V dies and comes back. So I think to have someone just immediately be like you're dying mm. i really enjoyed that i also very much pushed the conversation as far as it 
possibly could go on that because obviously those, those were the themes that I was already really enjoying. Um, and I think it's interesting because those are really the, like a lot of people that V meets, even if V says, you know, I'm dying, they kind of either brush it off or they just go, oh, what are we going to do? You know, like try and fix it, you know, mm. immediately and don't really accept it as a thing that is going to happen no matter what. Um, but the doll is very much immediately like, you are dying. That's a fact. We are not going, you know, this can't change. Which I really enjoyed it as a theme of like, this is going to happen no matter what. Even if, you know, at this point in the story, we very much don't know very, we don't know a lot about what's happening to V, right? And it kind of ties back into, this is something I actually wrote down. Um, when Evelyn first meets V, and this is before the heist, she says that she sees a walking, talking corpse. Mm. Which is... Very interesting, because obviously it is true. V is going to die. Mm. Um, so to me, I do feel like that scene is very much one of the standouts. And I think it's kind of odd. Obviously, the fact that there is a safe word is, you know, it's good. People can opt out of that conversation. Obviously, it is intense, like we said. But I kind of find that wild that maybe some people just used that option right. and they didn't actually get, you know, this whole incredibly thematic, incredibly important conversation, you know? Mm. Yeah, well... I'll circle back to that. Uh, I want to hear Ken's takeaways first before we we circle back to the safe word specifically. Uh, but but Ken, can we, what what was your takeaway from all this? Yeah, this is the the scene in the game when the first time I played it that made me start to like be like, wait, do I like this? Is this a good game? Is this is this game good actually? <laughs> Maybe, um, because it was just like an epiphany to me in terms of like. So, so, like, we, we talked, you know, we talked to Vic and Misty about what's going on, but, like, a lot of the conversations we had with them was very, you know, it was very sympathetic, but it was also very matter-of-fact, like, here's what's happening to you, here's mm -hmm. what you can do in the meantime, where Angel just, like, looked at me and asked me how I felt, like, I mean, like, how do you feel about that? And, you know, gives you, you know, a, a fairly decent, like, branching path in terms of, like, how you can talk about what's going on, because, like, even, even if it was pulling you into themes that you, you said you were kind of, like, pushing back against before, Eric, I, I was watching yours, and, like, the conversation you were having with Sky was just very different in terms mm -hmm. of tone because, like, your V was maybe more angry where mine was just scared. And, like, mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, he is worried not not just that he's dying but that he's going to, you know, die and not be remembered. And that, that very particular thing of, like, not even caring about being a legend per se, but just, like, persisting beyond your life in whatever way you can because, like, uh, he even asked, like, do you think death is the end? And I was like, you know, the people that I've lost, like Jackie, they do still persist in my memories. And, like, that's what I still want to do. But I, I feel like, you know, all the people that I care about are gone now. Like, the people that I've worked with and, you know, mm -hmm. seen me through some of these tough times are gone. And so, like, there's nobody left to remember me right now. And that, you know, and that the idea of being remembered and, you know, for good or ill is kind of, like, you know, something the game's talking about a lot. Because it, Johnny, that's, like, his whole shit right now is that he's pissed that, like, nobody really remembers what he did, and it didn't really amount to anything. And so I think, like, as much as Johnny's, like, a reminder that you are dying, he's also a, member of, like, a reminder of, like, you can die and no one's going to... It's not going to be a blip on anybody's radar. And all of that feels, like, both, like, an internalized pressure, but it's also just one of, like, Night City as a place kind of, like, forces on you, like, this idea that, like, you know, there, there are these legends that have drinks named after them in Afterlife. And here, like, you know, there's... One of my favorite parts of the thing is, like, you can say, like I said to Angel, like, I don't want to go back out there. And he just kind of says, no one ever does, but eventually we all must. And it lets you just sit there as long as you want. A lot of the times in this game, and I, I know this because, like, I take notes while conversations are happening. And so, like, if I'm not, my hands aren't on the controller and, like, a dialogue option comes up, most characters will be like, hey, V, you're there? Or, like, you know, and, you know, they'll, they'll say something to, like, acknowledge that you're not saying anything. But here, 
Angel just lets me sit there for as long as I want. Mm. And it's like this, you know, this booth that we're in that is like this one safe haven in a city that is generally like trying to kill you at all times. And I like that you can just sit there and just sit with your feelings about everything because you know as soon as you go back out there, no one's going to care. And sure, Angel only cares because like his ship makes him and, you know, I am paying for a service here. But it was at least the first time in this game where it felt like anybody actually cared about how I felt. And that was along with, like, you know, the conversation we had with, we had with Dex in the, the limo where it, like, was talking about this scene very specifically. That was, the, this was the moment that, like, just really kind of wrote, started writing the story of who my V was in this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And the one that, like, I have kind of, like, internalized as I'm going to this playthrough. Just, like, you know, with a bit more foresight into, like, how can I make choices and be the character that I want to be that's going to feed best into these themes. And so, yeah, just, you know, too long didn't listen. One of my favorite scenes in the game. It's it's really cool, and I think it's one of the ones that is... I, I think when I go back and play it, I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, if Cyberpunk was all mess, it would almost be easier to mm-hmm. categorize and deal with. But it does have moments where they really just hit something, and you're, you, you almost get a glimpse of, like, what this game could have been. Um, and and I, it, it does feel a little bit... I, I don't know if I want to say frustrating, but like, I think between this and having done the Jackie mission before this, I, I do think that they're doing a lot of like telling you what the game's themes are mm. and instead of maybe like letting the player reach that conclusion more naturally um, because of the way that they've structured the story and the way that um, I think Cyberpunk does a lot of tell instead of show. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, as I do like this scene in a vacuum, but I do think it still falls under that general broad umbrella of like, they're kind of telling you what is going on and what they're going to try and emphasize with the story moving forward. So it is that sort of like Butler tells Batman, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes the, they just want to watch the world burn, uh, sort of scene. Um, I do also one one aspect of this that I wanted to circle back to was the safe word moment because that is how we advance the scene. That's how we say that we are like we're done here. We're moving forward. Uh, is we say the whatever safe word. So samurai in our case, um, and it just <laughs> I mean lights come on, uh, eyes change. Uh, like the the doll previously had these like very almost hypnotic like led light eyes gamer light eyes <laughs> and now they're suddenly like normal again and everything goes like and, and it's like a big you know surfacing moment almost um and uh our, our respective workers so for for me sky was very angry like very frustrated and annoyed like what what happened did, did something go wrong because they don't know anything they if the program is working correctly they come up and they have no idea what has been presently going on uh for for you ken it sounds like angel acted a little bit differently yeah at first like he you know he, he does have like the what happened did i do something wrong and but then like as soon as you start asking him questions he is frantic and scared and you, like even start like smoking a cigarette in the middle of the booth to like try and calm down if you're talking to him. So like that was interesting because I had kind of always figured that Sky and Angel were probably just like model swaps and that the way that they acted after the fact would have been mostly the same. So that was interesting watching yours and it being so different. 
Um, we we at this point can kind of question the the doll and ask about Evelyn, and we get a little bit of info, a little bit of details. Um, basically, something happened with Evelyn. There was an altercation, uh, potentially a client, potentially not. Uh, but there's another doll here, Tom, who would know more because uh, he and Evelyn were tight. So we can go inspect. I didn't actually do this this time because this ends up being like kind of a doesn't actually do anything for the quest uh, because we quickly learn like what actually happened from Tom. Um, but you can go inspect the booth where Evelyn was and there's like a blood stain and a projection of the encounter where things are kind of normal until Evelyn starts like malfunctioning and seizing and, and Johnny kind of phases in is like, Oh, you know, it could be cyber psychosis. It could be a remote hack or something. So we have to go sneak into the VIP area to talk to Tom, uh, which you could just sneak in and do stealth, or you can just pull an agent 47 and walk in behind a guy and knock him out and take his membership card uh which nobody really gets the wiser to although this section this particular moment always frustrated me because there's nowhere to hide the body inside mm -hmm. that bathroom the, the stalls don't close yeah the stalls don't close and the door will randomly like just stay open and <laughs> like people in this game we'll talk more about stealth in a moment because i have a feeling that both of us try to be stealthy in a later part of this like series of missions um but one of the frustrations i have with stealth in this game is that like it just seems like enemies always hear and see everything like they see a, a pixel askew and they're immediately like oh somebody's down over here <laughs> and there is mm -hmm. one guard who when he turns around because he's the one that was talking to the the worker that you knock out to take the vip thing if he turns around and the door to the bathroom is open and he can even just barely from all the way across clouds see something a little bit different he will immediately like gun out and come after you and it, it frustrated me to no end trying to get that to not trigger <laughs> in yeah. every time i've played it I'm fairly sure I ended up just killing everybody because I had the same problem mm -hmm. where <laughs> I just, you know, I know a lot of people when they play stealth, they will do the thing where every time they get spotted, they'll just reload, um, which is something I did a lot when I played Dishonored. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to not do that when it's my first playthrough for something. And I try to just be like, okay, like, whatever, we'll see what happens. And I think that really frustrated me where I did reload it and then I just couldn't get it to work in any other way. So I ended up just going guns out and killing everyone, I think. Which Judy, as we will get into, probably did, did not like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, first, we gotta go talk to Tom. After doing some more sneaking and stuff, we can head up to, to Tom's room. And Tom is very confused. Uh, but we cut straight to the chase and start talking. And uh, he says he's been trying to get in contact with her, but hasn't been able to. She's supposed to have gone to a special doctor after the quote-unquote accident um something bad happened uh we still need to learn more so now we got to go to another person a woodman or, or mr forest as he's called uh they're they're like oh that's the ca the caretaker you know he recruits new talent he takes care of any altercations feels like 
cyberpunk is like desperately trying to dance around the word pimp without saying mm-hmm. it <laughs> and, yeah. um but we, i mean everything else know, has got like a, a special name in this world so like yeah what's like like spark plug or something like <laughs> um surge protector i don't know um we we once again go sneaking around um we we could get into combat here but i think this was one of the easier areas to just kind of stealth our way through and not get caught um and if we do that woodman's just chilling eating a burger and looking at porn (laughs) and um and and we talk to him and he tells us like hey you know you're looking looking for evelyn whatever i can find somebody else you like you got somebody you're looking for there's plenty of other workers around here i got somebody for you and says it much cruder language than that yeah 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 he, he goes in let's say he's uh not eloquent but like uh loquacious maybe <laughs> like, um he, he keeps trying to deflect and stuff and this is where i actually got a um i i got a better encounter here than you did i think mm-hmm. ken because you ended up like fighting him basically and then hacking his computer um things escalated for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just used my corpo know-how to threaten him (laughs) yeah how'd that go for you ken (laughs) Uh, i mean i hacked his optics and then just like beat the shit out of him because like you don't have you don't have your weapons you can't kill him but you can beat him up um you you turned his eyes off and punched him Mm -hmm. That's that's mean, Ken. That's not nice. Hey, we work with what we got. <laughs> um, no matter what we do, so so you just got the files off of his computer. Um, mm-hmm. I talk to him, and he basically ends up uh, confessing that, like, hey, you know, uh, this is like Evelyn's with some doctor that specifically caters to Joy Toys sex workers in Night City, um, called Fingers. Um, great name for a doctor you know that's why that's mm-hmm. why i like to hear when i go check into the doctor is <laughs> doctor fingers um so they're they're off on uh, a ripper doc adventure and it's it's sounding bad because i think at this point we've now kind of confirmed that evelyn was remote hacked in some way um was was zapped this was not a client you know doing anything to her this was some third party uh, zipping into their network. Uh, I think Woodman says something about like just broke through our ice like it was nothing and uh, sent a a surge, a bug directly to Evelyn's chip, and that is kind of what happened. So he makes it really sound like they just sold her off for parts, essentially, mm-hmm. like just sold her body to a Ripper Doc, and maybe the Ripper Doc can fix her, maybe not. Um, and and we we head out and this is where we get our big johnny interlude so wait so uh, to clarify one thing you didn't have to fight your way out no no he's Mm -hmm. he's like i got an elevator out back and you just take that down sometimes Mm. it pays to be a corpo ken (laughs) clearly um so now we get a a little intermission here a tapeworm mission uh where v is having a bad time with the relic just coughing up and and all kinds of bad stuff and johnny's like oh you need to sit like you kind of sit down and i like that johnny pulls up a chair um 
I've always kind of wondered how he does this, if that's just like part of the VR thing that you're seeing and he just generated a chair because Johnny can't move things. But I don't know. I'd have to go back and see if the chair actually moved in real life or not. Um, But you kind of have a sit down with Johnny where uh, he's saying like, look, I need you alive. Like you, we need to get moving. We need to take care of some stuff. And, and you can kind of argue back and be like, oh, so now we're on the same team, huh? And Johnny's like, yeah, you know, I've been given a get-out-of-jail-free card. I want to settle my score with Arasaka, and you want me out of your head so we can both get what we want. Um, we need to find Mikoshi. And he, he kind of tells us what Soul Killer is at this point, which we, we've already seen, and we've already got an idea of it. But Soul Killer is basically zaps a, a person, um, zaps somebody who is in the net uh kind of cordons off their psyche and digitizes it away from the body and then puts it on an engram um i feel like there's some ambiguousness about whether it copies or whether that is the thing moving over who can say maybe that's a theme of the game (laughs) um we we basically learn that that johnny wants to take down arasaka and we can cheekily say like oh you got another nuke that you're gonna hit them with and johnny's like yeah this one's called alt cunningham but we'll tell you about that later because now we're just gonna move right on to another thing so this is i like having an intermission where johnny finally like opens up to you a little bit but it also feels like they're just kind of putting story beats in to be like oh we should probably tell the player like something about alt to like tease them along a little bit um i don't know this is a big nothing burger for me i don't know how you felt about it ken uh, i mean and i was probably more flavored by having played ahead of it it's like it does feel like it's you know not to say that trying to find evelyn isn't the main plot because i mean like, you know it literally is like it is the main plot mission but like it does feel like it's the point where Johnny has to kind of, like, bring in, like, what is the actual... what well, I guess what is going to be the actual solution to what we're, what we're doing, whereas Evelyn is more just, like, a loose end at this point in terms of us trying to figure out what's going on in our head, how to possibly fix it. Because um, I think for all the, the talking that we did in the last episode about how the Arasaka plotline felt like it wasn't... Um, uh, almost felt like it was going to be, like, on the back burner for a bit. Like, I now that I'm pl- playing further and seeing how tied it is to a lot of stuff i don't i don't think that's true but i think it is true for at least this set of missions and um it, it kind of feels like it's a point for them to one reestablish that but two also like tapeworm is like a series of missions that are going to happen across mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. and it's all about establishing you and johnny's relationship because it can be either fairly harmonious or it can be just like you know you two fucking hate each other and want out of the situation by any, any means necessary and so here we don't get really much in terms of establishing how we feel about things but um it is at least going to be the like the larger theme of the tapeworm mission as we go on mm-hmm. well we move on because we got to call judy and and let her know what's going on and and we tell her that she's not at clouds but she's been sent to see a ripper doc named fingers and judy knows where that's at he's on jig jig street and that's a bad thing <laughs> so uh, we we get near uh, Fingers Clinic, and, and we have a couple different options. There's some muscle outside, some thugs that are kind of watching the door, and, and we can kind of either get into an altercation with them, 
uh, we can intimidate them. You had a street kid option, which uh, said that you can be like, oh, I'm, I'm with the tiger claws. I actually just told them that I was a sex worker here to see mm. fingers and they let me through. Um, I don't know if you could have used that as an option too, but I don't think I um, noticed it. Yeah. Cause uh, I was going to say like the way that they talked about your V was very gendered and I didn't know if yeah that would yeah. have been the same. Cause like, again, this is the, for all the games, like talking about the, the fluidity of form, like it does again, rebel on that binary and talk about like talk to V in different, like very specific ways mm-hmm. depending on shit. I, I, I didn't, I, I thought it felt right that I kind of get catcalled by a bunch of douches on, on the stoop. Um, and I, 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 it ended up feeling like a good role-playing moment because, again, as we talked about in the highest episode, my, my corpo V is very much like play the part you need to play at any moment. So I was cutthroat in that one scene at the hotel. But here, I was kind of like, yeah. They, they're like, oh, are you a whore parentheses mm. derogatory and i'm like yeah yeah no i am i am here for for the doctor because i i am that please let me through and they're like okay cool <laughs> and i was like wow these these dudes are dumb as shit so <laughs> what uh, um, what kind of v did y'all end up playing diego and Alma? oh yeah we should talk about that diego what was your v like uh i don't remember much i think it was uh oh i mean you, you mean like the the starting path uh that yeah. might be was a nomad <clears throat> sorry okay. might be was a nomad and um yeah but i mean it's like uh most of the stuff for like model uh, for like uh, a nomad type character happens mm-hmm. like later mm-hmm. in the game uh so i didn't get like all this cool uh all this like uh, suit slash corpo <laughs> choices mm-hmm. that you had, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, th- there are like that many like dialogue options on my end, uh, right, at least yeah. of my playthrough. Yeah, my first playthrough was Nomad, and I was like constantly surprised by how this time around corpo seems to get so many dialogue options and so many alternate ways through things, uh, especially like dialogue ways through things um mm. alma what was your kind of experience with with your v and your life path yeah i did nomad too and i agree oh, wow. i think like diego said i think like a lot of the a lot of the options are way more late game i, I feel like mm-hmm. um i actually can't remember what i what i did in that specific interaction with the dudes on the stoop but for me the v i played i remember at that point in the game i like playing games with a lot of stealth Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that in Cyberpunk it is a bit frustrating, I put a lot of points in cool. So I, I ended up having a lot of times there were interactions where I had an option to kind of talk yep. my way out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how I played personally. Yeah, I, I've been, I have a similar build and like I've, like Eric keeps talking about how, like how stealth and such does not really work for him. But like I've actually been feeling, and even in some of the missions that we talked about where a lot of that stuff was not viable or did not seem viable before, I've been having a really rewarding time with like, you know, trying to be as uh, combat-adverse as possible. And um, a lot of that has come from like, specking into cool as well, because like that's just, there's so many conversations that, like, I forgot how many times you can just kind of, like, talk your way through things. But, um, yeah, we, we, as playing as Corpo and Street Kid, we've been talking a lot about how Nomad seems like this odd third choice in the midst of mm-hmm. a game that they, the, the Nomad life, uh, life path just doesn't seem that tied to. 
And like, granted, like, you know, we will get to stuff where we're actually like, meeting with another, like, uh, group of nomads, and a lot of probably then. But it at least, like, there's almost, like, a lack, lack of utility to it, it seems. Like, in terms of, it almost feels like you're at a disadvantage in Night City if you did not come from here. Which, hey, maybe that's commentary. Yeah. 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 It, it could be, but then it just, like, I, I think my issue with Nomad ultimately was that in ways that it could have framed you as an outsider, a curious outsider, it just didn't. And instead, mm-hmm. Nomad just felt like they were like, oh, well, we're doing Nomad stuff now. Let's put all those Nomad options here. Whereas mm-hmm. Corpo, especially, like, having those, those two different playthroughs and now being Corpo, I'm just so... It's honestly more enjoyable for me having all these ties in because it lets you really engage with the like like a good example was was Woodman and how I was able to be like right. look you think tiger claws are your biggest problem around here don't you know who's at the top of the tiger claws you're gonna have Sokka heat coming down and like that was so much more of what I think I wanted out of this game in terms of playing if i was going to use like a vampire the masquerade comparison like a torador type character of talking my way out of a lot of things um being able to just kind of you know smarm and smarts my way out of a bunch of problems using my corpo know-how and and nomad just feels like it's something that you get a lot of flavor text out of but it doesn't feel like it plays Mm -hmm. into your character as much as i would have liked um Anyways, let's talk about the cool stuff in Cyberpunk. Let's talk about the other stuff in Cyber- mm-hmm. Cyberpunk because we're about to go in and meet fingers. <laughs> um, oh, boy. <laughs> um, so we we head upstairs uh, in this, this little ripper dock place. We can see some people having some fits and convulsions and stuff nearby. So there's already kind of a implication that this is very you know back alley like not a lot great going on um in fact the first floor is basically just like dirty mattresses and discarded Mm -hmm. cans and then you head upstairs and there's like a little waiting room kind of um and there are some other workers in here waiting for for fingers as well as judy uh because we call her um at this point we we kind of have a mini section where you are intended to either wait to get a time to go in to see or you can talk to some of the workers and try to cut in line and get some some info basically um i i like this one part because it gives you some flavor on like who dr fingers i hate this name so much um (laughs) on on who fingers is uh and and what role they serve here uh because you know you, you get the idea that oh if somebody wants something done, they got to come here. Like this is, uh, fingers is initially kind of served up as like this. Oh, the, the ripper dock for joy toys who can't go to normal ripper docks, right. Who, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. they need something special done or, uh, other ones are just too expensive or something like that. Uh, and so initially there's almost like a good Samaritan vibe going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, then we go into Meat Fingers. Nothing can stay golden in Cyberpunk 2077. Nope. Um, I thought I remembered how skeevy this section was the first time, from the first time I played it, and then I played it this time, and I was like, wow, this is a 
we will talk about this on the pod. <laughs> uh, yeah. First, they kind of play fingers off as almost like this this clean freak type character because you have like like when you walk in, he is over like washing his hands constantly, and he has this like thing of soap that he keeps like getting stuff out of that's in like a hip holster, <laughs> and he just keeps chugging it out as as he goes. Um, but then fingers just quickly becomes like, oh, it's this character who knows that they can take advantage of mm-hmm. workers and so does take advantage of workers in either monetary means or implied like copping a feel type things um there's just a lot of bad implications that come up in this part and uh, we find out that Evelyn has been here. Uh, I'm going to get through the plot part real quick so we can just talk about fingers. Mm. But uh, we find out that Evelyn was here. Evelyn's chip was basically completely fried. Um, there was, like, Evelyn was basically here for four days and and practically comatose for all of it. Um, and uh, eventually, fingers decided to pawn her off to. Uh, people who make XBDs, like super bad, like illicit XBDs, uh, comparable to the likes of snuff films and things like that. Uh, we're going to be circling the drain here in a moment. Don't worry. But <laughs> um, Ken, mm-hmm. Fingers is just a bad character. <laughs> I mm-hmm. just don't like this character. It feels coded in the worst ways right. and feels written like just every worse version of someone who who is in the sex industry like Mm. like this is just stereotype layered on stereotype in ways that just feel bad and like someone at cyberpunk was like i know what we'll do we need to show like the seedier side of this industry so we're just gonna pile in every moral panic stereotype Mm. we can think of in a blender (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely at the point where we're starting to get to where the more that we're gonna, gonna like go into the world of Night City as a place, like we get into just like the ways that this game reveals in stereotypes. And you know, we we talked already a, a lot about how its handling of like trans bodies and transness just generally has its own problem. But now we're like it's just you know the other side of queerness, like where they are. You know, this is a very much like a depraved bisexual coded stereotype. Like his entire living space is covered in sex toys. And he apparently takes advantage of sex workers that are coming to him for medical help. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I I understand the thing that they are, like, again, like you said, they're trying to show, like, the seedier side of this. And how it's also, like, to, you know, kind of make a distinction between the stuff happening at Lizzie, Lizzie's Bar and stuff that happens elsewhere in Night City. And, like, I get what you're going for, but, like, in the midst of doing it, you're, like, just reveling in, like, the worst, like, gay panic shit that... You could have in the scenario, and sure, like I mean, it vilifies him in that way. Like that is, I guess, important. And like, it, but cyberpunk constantly is vilifying everything because it thinks everything sucks to begin with. So, yeah, I um, like you can get like this conversation can go in a lot of ways. I ended up just handling it with violence and just threatening mm-hmm. him, um, because it was like I I didn't have any patience for it. But by the time like it got to the point where it was offering me uh, options. So. 
Shout outs to Judy, by the way, for the full torque slap that she delivers to, to fingers, like full rotation of the arm. It's beautiful. Um, Alma, how did you kind of feel about fingers as a character? Yeah, I agree. I think it was incredibly frustrating because at, at this point in the quest, we get to a point where we, you know, we know that whatever Evelyn's fate is going to be is not going to be great. You mm -hmm. know, we get the very mm -hmm. impending sense that shit has happened and it's not good. Um, and I, I agree, I think they didn't really need to go there in the sense of, like, the stereotypes. I think it would have worked, to me, it would have worked really well if it was just, like, a guy, you know? I mean, mm. obviously Finger is just a guy, but you know what I mean? Like, a guy that didn't have all those stereotypes mm. and that really genuinely believed that he was doing the right thing, but at the same time, you as the player and Judy can tell that it is not like that. Mm. Um, mm. I think it was disappointing because so far I thought the sex work obviously had some flaws, but I thought they had kind of gone a bit more nuanced mm -hmm. um and then it just completely falls down in that moment and i did the same thing where i punched him mm -hmm. i have found out later that, that that some people are like well you know obviously because ripper docs are merchants and vendors right. and you can buy stuff from them and i know that if you don't punch him you can get stuff from him later but like i got to the same point where i was just like this guy is so gross and mm -hmm. The same thing. Given the, the giving the opportunity to punch him, I immediately was like, "Okay, fuck this guy," you know. <laughs> yeah, Diego, how do you feel about this section? Yeah, I don't like uh, Doctor Fingerhands. I don't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th I mean that's that's my take. I also went for yeah. the uh, the aggressive rule because I was like, I, yeah, I I, I mm. literally can't stand like anything that you're saying here. Yeah. Mm. I think. The, the thing I keep coming back to with Fingers, God, I hate this name so much, I can't wait to move on from this part, <laughs> um, is that coding him in this way feels very strange to me because it doesn't feel like it like even passes a spell test. Like mm -hmm. the, the idea that someone who is embedded in this industry, who the workers go to very often, who there's, there's even like an air of trust uh, like expressed out there in in the waiting room, mm -hmm. and then the sudden like, oh, there's actual like a deviant behind the door and all that. Um, it feels very weird because it both implies that like the workers are not talking to each other about what's going on, right. um, and and like looking out for each other, which is like what the mocks had kind of built up was this idea that in this future, workers had like unionized essentially, mm -hmm. and it was a very different thing and. So, you know, maybe the intent here was to show that, like, while it's good for the mocks and good for them, it's not good for everyone else, and and there are right. still like issues. Yeah. Uh, but this also <laughs> seems like the kind of person that the mocks would have come in beat up with a baseball bat. So, right. um, the, it, I, the the other thing I wanted to say was that, like, again, I I would have liked this more if it had been a character that either believed that they were doing the right thing or had like a sense of self justification. Or just felt like more of an outsider to the world and not felt like an ingrained part of this industry. Because, again, like, y you would think that given what the Mox has been shown to be so far and, and the way that they have looked out for their own, that something would have been done about a Ripper doc like this already. Like, he presents what he does, like, in an insidious way. Like, he knows. Like, there's not... It doesn't, it doesn't even give him that benefit of like being like, oh, I believe that I'm doing the right thing. And here he's just kind of like, I've embedded myself in this way and that I can take advantage of people who I know need my help. And Yeah, he's very matter-of-fact about it with like very little pressure applied. Right. And 
as, as Alan was saying, like, I feel like broadly, I think the conversations that Cyberpunk has about sex work are a lot more nuanced than, and like, this is me having played through, um, up to like midway through like Judy's own questline. Like, there's a lot here that is talking about how it, it's one of the few instances where Cyberpunk feels like it's actually like bringing up solutions to the problems that it's bringing up, and. Part of me is just like I don't know that even the ways that it delves into like the shock value of something like fingers and stuff that's going to happen with Evelyn later. Like I don't even feel like you needed to go that far to even get your point across. I feel like that is again like re- mm-hmm. the, where the game mm-hmm. revels in the excess of what it's talking about because that is how it feels like it. Can, the only way it knows how to make a statement is if it is dealing in the worst possible scenario of anything. Right. Right. Speaking of the worst possible scenario, um, we basically find out that. Um, as as we said earlier, Evelyn has likely been taken by a Braydance studio that makes very illicit BDs. And Judy um, has stormed out at this point, and we have either, you know, like... To- uh, by the way, Ken, I want to share for, for the listeners at home, your photo mode picture in here that you have of yourself, Judy, and Fingers is very funny because it is the most she-said-no-lettuce uh, I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and it's, it's very good. Uh- <laughs> it also really shows that V is a short king. Yeah, v is yeah. a king. <laughs> your, your V is a short king, and it's it's great every time. Just the 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 anger and the punching, like you're doing the punch into open palm thing. <laughs> and like the light is perfectly on him. Also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is actually what Ken looks like in real life, by the way. This is Ken all the time. <laughs> this is actually true. He just needs a beat. Um, yeah. Uh, so Judy's kind of you know kicking herself right now um for letting evelyn go back for you know she she is blaming herself for for everything that's happened and we kind of need to talk her down and and say like hey it's gonna be okay we're gonna figure this out we're gonna find evelyn um we have a lead we we have something to go on and we need to to follow that up so we can do some asking around which is not really like useful i didn't do that in this part um i just went looking for what i think is the cooler thing which is you can go to a terminal and hack into the dark side of a website to find um a dealer who can get you some of these illicit bds because we can uh get information from that um apparently we can also uh talk to wakako here um i try to avoid talking to fixers whenever possible because they won't stop messaging me and so (laughs) i don't want them to get any ideas about us having a good relationship so um we 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 go ask around i i did the hacking thing and i i like that it's an aspect that i wish was in this game more because again frankly you don't do enough hacking in this game about the future um uh ken it looks like you took more of the uh feet on the ground approach uh yeah you know, reporter on the streets yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know you're investigative reporter you're out there you putting shoes on the pavement mm. um and we find a dude making a deal under a bridge as as this was always going to end up with and i it is weird to me that this dude is actually one of the best vendors for getting legendary stuff like he has tons of really good crafting equipment and all that and then he also has like what basically amounts to snuff films and fetish mm-hmm. films in his inventory um and again i, I want to pause momentarily and say once again it's so weird that you can just buy 
a bunch of these and they're all like hideously offensive and just about the worst things you could find if you went searching around on Google and the and and boards and stuff like that very shock value stuff and we're looking specifically for one that involves a death's head moth in some way um but again having all these brain dances once again feels like there was going to be more done with brain dances mm-hmm. at some point and there just wasn't so you can just buy them to be in your inventory i guess if you want those they don't actually you, you do can read anything. the descriptions on the back of the box oh that's that's what i love to do is buy mm-hmm. dvds and only read the description on the mm-hmm. back of the box and then say mm, good and put them on my shelf and never i mean weren't you so again. excited when you went to like a game store and you just like read the manual yeah but i didn't but i didn't buy it <laughs> <laughs> i think another thing as well is like is, is that the title you know how like all the quests are named after songs right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like the title of this one is disaster piece which obviously is a slipknot song mm-hmm. and it is one of the most Obviously, all their songs are quite crude, obviously, but, like, that one is one of the crudest ones that has, like, a lot of, like, really explicit sex stuff in it. Mm. And so it's kind of funny that they named this quest about how you can find the most depraved sex snuff films kind of shit, and they were just like, we're going to name it after this disgusting snuff film song. Mm. There there was... This is time for a little bit of Eric history here. Uh, when I was in high school, we somebody figured out that they were able to hook up like mp3s and an audio thing to the pa and so uh our one of our teachers did that and on on the principal's birthday played her favorite song between every class which was september by earth wind and fire and it was (laughs) nice the first time and annoying the next three to four times that it happened because we just heard september all day long (laughs) but then the principal really dug it was like you should have music playing between all the class periods that'd be really super cool and then all the kids would stop wearing headphones all the time which was like a huge problem so um i somehow wound up being in charge of like people could submit playlists and i would make playlists that would play between a bunch of the, the class periods and which was kind of fun i made a bunch of like themed playlists and all that but also students could submit ideas and i would have to vet them and someone turned in one that was like four different songs that were just like about eating babies and like depraved stuff Mm -hmm. and all that and i was just like what always struck me was that like oh haha somebody turned that in they were like ha i'm gonna try and make the school play this really bad song they signed their own name to it they didn't even try to pretend to be somebody else (laughs) that dumbest person alive right there (laughs) Um, they were just like that's me i'm a sicko (laughs) (laughs) they were this was more of a confession than a prank you know (laughs) um anyway (laughs) <laughs> we get our depraved death's head moth bd which the the vendor actually comes is like oh i didn't know you were a connoisseur and i was like oh barf um i'm gonna buy a bunch of legendary crafting components from you and then never talk to you again um and we basically watch what is a tortured snuff kind of film in first person um it's not great it's pretty bad sucks um yeah if it's shitty scene like yeah like like they basically get dragged to a chair and are clearly trying to fight to get away and keep getting shoved back in and uh they basically get hacked in a way that makes it feel like their body is being torn apart um 
it's bad it's all kinds of bad it's very nasty and and we're in like a van with judy trying to like speed through this brain dance and find any sort of locational stuff so we can figure out where evelyn is and what they're doing um and and through locating some things we basically figure out that it's a power plant where there is a bucket slice nearby because there is like suits that power plant workers wear and then also uh like styrofoam cups and pizza that obviously point towards bucket slice um again brain dances could have been so much cooler and more interesting in this game and they just feel like they're constantly used for raw shock value and that's mm-hmm. it um, like two of the three that we see in the main plot yes are of people dying yeah one one coming up is actually a really cool one that i like a lot they they will use brain dances more interestingly in the future um but then they just never use them again no it's in it's we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it um so oh okay i got you, I got you. yeah yeah so we figure it out we put it together and we start heading that way and we can ride with judy which obviously you would do it'd be kind of weird to just like get out of the van and be like i'll meet you there <laughs> um and judy does at this point you know it is like kind of worried but is also like evelyn's probably still alive because um she's she's got a doll chip in her and you know she she has done work before and that's like she's basically like you know she's that that's primo you don't find that lying on the ground or whatever um so they wouldn't just put her in a snuff film right away or whatever so she's got hope basically that evelyn is still alive um so we we show up to this place and and it's very much like uh i feel like it's telegraphed to be like hey use this route to be stealthy and sneak around to get in like they basically park you in front of what is a very deus ex uh dishonored style entrance where you can sneak along some uh catwalks and sneak up behind people and all that they're very much like look you could be stealthy um but i I take out one guy and then the second i hack anybody the second i ping anybody um and and do anything even the second i fire a silenced pistol and kill someone it felt it felt like everybody still knew um so i just went guns out this whole section and just blasted my way through this place because also i just had no mercy for anybody involved in this operation and that's Um, fair yeah (laughs) every even even the guys i snuck up on i i did the kill option i did Mm. not do the non-lethal takedown I, I I'm surp- I hate being surprised and like maybe I just need to like compare our builds or something because like I am stealthing through this game pretty consistently. I only have like five cool, so that mm. might be what the thing is. Um, mm. Yeah, I was gonna say that's surprising because personally I did not find the stealth that difficult in that section. So I think definitely having more and more cool yeah. helps with them not detecting you. I also just like doing hacking though. I like to hack. It's a fun time. And, and hacking is not stealthy at all either like the second you hack somebody it puts everybody on alert because they're all like oh there's somebody here hacking me and they all go on alert so uh diego what was your play style uh kind of mix i mean i went for like the my usual uh do six slash dishonor rule mm-hmm. which is like i'm gonna try and do stuff but if like uh i fucked up okay i fucked up and that's that's fine mm-hmm. uh but I think I, I I always remember as you as you folks were talking about it. Uh, I think I did try to like sneak in here, uh, and mm. maybe I didn't get to like kill nobody and just got to the other way. 
I think so. Like I approach uh, a couple of missions that way. Um, like as much as I as I could, I think. Uh, but I think by the end I was just like pure brute force because I wanted to like fucking finish my guides and that that was it. Mm, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't so there wasn't much time for like uh, careful <laughs> planning and enjoying together. the game. Stealth <laughs> <laughs> is not good for guide riders. Oh. That's that's what we've learned. Yeah. Like, yeah, what yeah. is the compulsion in games like these where when you are presented, I, I feel like this is not an uncommon thing, like in games like this, or even honestly, you know, we can refer to Deus Ex and Dishonor, which I would consider are like stealth first kind of games. Like you were mm. very clearly being given uh, the options that make stealth, but even Deus Ex, you have a lot of ways that you can spec into combat and be like a an actual gunfighter and play it like a third person shooter i don't know why you would because that game is like very well designed and and i feel like you get a lot out of it by playing that but um even if fallout or like skyrim or something like that uh it feels like the natural inclination for a lot of people when they are presented with the ability to stealth something is to stealth something and i've always just been curious why that is because i i will say that like i am just annoyed by by playing stealth in in this game specifically because i just it doesn't feel good to me in the way that Dishonored does but i'm also just grappling with different systems entirely in this game and trying to see like the ways in which it you know this game is different when you approach it as a shooter rpg um and i will say the shooting in this game does not always feel great <laughs> yeah, I think I remember the stealth for me didn't feel good until I I can't remember exactly. It might have been playing points in cool, it might have been playing points yeah. in the blades thing as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think I do remember distinctly being like, Man, the stealth in this just doesn't feel that good and then at some point I just had leveled up enough and I was like, Oh, okay, it's actually quite it's okay now. But it right. definitely isn't a game where you can just plug and play and immediately be like, Okay, I'm gonna do stealth. Like you have to build yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think it based on my experience so far, it feels like a game that is very rewarding towards specialization and like building mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. a certain play style more so than I think most action RPGs are. And that's for good and for ill, I think. Like, I think that's interesting to have like a game that feels like it very much rewards you for having a play style in mind and really like committing to it. Um, because I just I even... Like, honestly, like, as I'm look at, looking through the, the notes that I have of, like, all of the episodes that we've got coming up and all the things I've already played so far, like, I have been, I have not had many shootouts in this playthrough. And I think that just has because, been because I have specced in the right places and learned the right hacks. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really rewarded by stealth so far, I think. I, I think for me, just the, the thing I keep coming back to is, like, um, I compared to something like a fallout i do think that there is a level of you are specking directly into your playstyle and doing that sort of thing but unlike fallout it feels like there's still i guess unlike the good fallout <laughs> fallout new vegas um there's there's not like there, there's a clear division between like things that you are doing like the points you you put in this game are all combat oriented i would say or like encounter oriented um, you do get occasional like speech skill checks that use your different stats, and I like that when that comes up. I think that's a cool thing. But uh, I feel like a lot of this stuff is still just very like encounter oriented, and also like the level design does not always feel like it's conducive to stealth. It feels like they have laid out 
like the one path that you should take if you are sneaking through this level, but it doesn't feel fluid or malleable in the way that a good stealth game should be. It just feels like they have laid out a racetrack for you and you need to do it in the right order at the right time. Like there's, I think this level is actually a good example of this because there's just like very singular points of ingress that we are moving through as we get through this, this power plant. So like you have kind of an open area in the first one where, you know, you can go in through the windows or you can go in through the front gate. And obviously the windows are what you're going to do with your stealthing. But then there is like one staircase down and then there is like one doorway that goes to the net. There's a lot of like choke points mm, in right. the way that cyberpunk designs its levels. And I think that is where a lot of my frustration with the stealth came from was that it f- did not feel laid out like a fluid game that rewarded exploration for stealth. It more just kind of said like, Hey, here are ways that you could stealth through this, but really it's just one way. Take that track. If you want to stealth, otherwise like just run around standing up instead of crouching down. <laughs> well, I think, I think something I, I did notice here was that it feels like those paths are there, but they are often gated by other stat checks. Like, um, you'll get through, you know, halfway through this area and there is, you know, another way through, but you have to have like a strength stat check to rip Wh- the door Which down. is completely different from right. stealth. Like it's the opposite end of the spectrum from stealth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I see what y'all are saying. I, I do. And I did try, when I played this game the first time, I did play a much stealthier character and put points into cool, and there definitely were missions. Or, there's one, I think, Riders in the Storm or whatever that you do with Pan Am uh, that I remember stealthing my way through and just being very uh, sneaky and getting through there and being like, oh yeah, I really stealthed that mission. That was sick. Um, I just think, in general, the way this game is laid out and its mission design and its encounter design is that it has very specific moments like this power plant where they're like oh you can do stealth here and then other times where they're like nah they this is just a building just do what you can i guess um and we'll probably talk more about that when we get into the side quests and stuff because those are the less like we have created an encounter for you and more like we have this thing going on in night city that you should go do um Anyways, we go through either very very stealthy, very sneaky, like Ken did, doing all this rebooting optics, taking out distracted people, all that, or like me, where I'm just chucking grenades and blasting. <laughs> and, um, we, we get down to the sub-levels. Judy joins us. Um, Judy does make a comment when the shooting actually starts. She's like, hey, I hear some shots. Are things going okay? And V's like... Stealth's not an option anymore. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is no longer a sneaking mission. <laughs> um, I do like that Judy kind of does what you do. Like Judy will sneak if you are sneaking and mm-hmm. will go like guns loud the second that you go guns loud. Um, we find a bunch of just shock value stuff of like bodies ripped apart and organs everywhere. And um, God again just like oh hey look here's a naked body with its stomach pulled out mm-hmm. the future's bad <laughs> uh finally we get to where evelyn is um hooked into a bd system looking not great um i got mad about this section because i feel like it did not really specify how we were supposed to pull the cord from her and so i like did not 
hit the thing because I thought the intention was to like wait until Judy was ready, and then Judy got bad at me because my V just like <laughs> yanked the the cable out, and I was like I was waiting for you, <laughs> so that was a weird situation. Mm-hmm. But um, we we get her out and and do one of our little carries out um. And and we're just kind of like, hey, is you know she okay? You can like try and get her to talk at this point if you are a bad person, mm-hmm. uh, or Johnny Silverhand. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wait, did did, did you did you tell her? Did you try to get her to talk? No, no. I, I mean, not... since you've been rude to that uh that receptionist in the hotel, I've just assumed that your V just like I was playing take, like, a character and be like the meanest and like with least tact and just what do you, not you know. Understand about this? I was at the hotel. I was supposed to be some dickhole arm selling corpo so i had to act like a dickhole arm selling corpo i'm not that person now so my v's totally cool and like under we're gonna get to a part that i think is not well broadcast in a second here but this is part one of two but uh no in this case i'm not gonna start asking evelyn about the heist and all that like i'm just gonna be like hey like are you good like you have been through some shit this is not the time to talk about my stuff um well so we go to the elevator and leave and i like that cyberpunk basically like cuts here and jumps to uh judy's apartment where we're outside and and johnny can just like yell at us to smoke (laughs) um (laughs) you did not smoke i smoked no um yeah uh johnny was like oh finally something other than like the stench of piss and decay and stuff and you know very johnny silverhand moment (laughs) Um, and we head on inside and Judy is kind of keeping watch over Evelyn, um, saying basically she's like in some kind of trance, um, like, like she's just out of it completely. Um, and Judy's like, I did like go poking around and found some BDs and stuff like, like some information about what happened with the heist. And so she goes into the other room to start setting that up for you to explore. We have an optional moment where you can sit down and, try to interact with Evelyn. And this is, I think, kind of the last big story thing that we wanted to talk about here because it is, I think, a really interesting moment where you can just, like, sit down and, and like, try to be like, hey, are you okay? Um, I There was a TikTok going around at some point that, that was about this, about like, oh, yeah, a, yeah. A, a therapist or a counselor, I believe, was, was kind of talking about how this is a very profound moment. There is one thing that I hated in this section and a a point where I think like context is key. They give you a thing that just says like touch. And so I was like, you know, I'm sitting there on the, on the bed and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'm going to put like a hand on her shoulder and just be like, Hey, it's okay. Um, it's going to be okay. And instead like touch is basically like V puts their hand on Evelyn's hip and it's like very, it's very weird. And Evelyn kind of shrugs it off. And then Johnny pops up and makes a comment like, look at you. And I was oh, like, fuck. what the fuck? <laughs> like, um, when, when you are given a one word context like that, and I think any rational, empathetic person in that place would be like, oh, maybe you're going to like put your hand on her shoulder, you know, like, like kind of the, the there, there, it's going to, you know, mm-hmm. and instead it's like oh you put a hand on her hip like and and it's and then johnny comes in is like oh trying to make a move huh it's like that's what the hell (laughs) i mean that's especially fucked considering like we don't know the specifics of what happened to her at this point in the story 
why does this game hate Evelyn Parker so much? Yeah, yeah. I this this game just like consistently I I feel like Evelyn is just constantly like dogged on by this game in a, in a way that feels like like her specifically because as we were going to get into when we start getting into the the story and like how this heist went awry, we find out that Evelyn was was through these these BDs that we go through was contracted by a gang called the Voodoo Boys to uh, basically all she was supposed to do was go in and get the virtue of the layout of Arasaka Tower and give it to the Voodoo Boys. Um, and don't worry, we'll be talking about the Voodoo Boys on next episode because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. But um, that's how we basically find out that she got this idea in the first place and then she brings up the the relic, the biochip in conversation with her handler um, who has masked their presence uh, even through Braindance technology has like masked their presence so they're obviously a very good netrunner um, but then follow up conversation which is the video I was talking about that I liked uh, Evelyn can listen in on a phone call uh, that the handler is having with another member of the voodoo boys where they say like oh do we think she's gonna double cross us like she's she's a little too smart for her own good and they kind of like continue this framing that happened with dex earlier in the game where they're like oh evelyn thinks she's so smart that she can Mm -hmm. pull a play on everybody but really it's it's this is her comeuppance and all that and like i just don't like that narrative and Mm -hmm. It's it almost like feels like there is a oh Evelyn got what was coming to her narrative mm-hmm. in in this whole series of missions that just feels unnecessarily cruel and will only get crueler the further into right. this game we go. Um, and I just I I don't like it. It feels really weird when there are other characters in this game like like Judy that are really compelling and interesting and handled better. But instead, Evelyn just feels like this rag doll that is tossed around for the sake of the story, needing to like cause cruelty to someone to show how bad Night City is. Mm-hmm. And like, you could have this character that is like, oh, we're going to show how cruel the world is. And I feel like in some of the side quests, they do that better. Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait for us to talk about some of them, like like Sinner Man and all that, mm-hmm. where you get into like the depths of which this city is willing to just churn through meat and, and people's lives and all that. But Evelyn, I don't know this, this whole thing feels unnecessarily cruel does not really give you a lot of good options for empathizing. In fact, it felt like it gave you more options for being cruel and being like, no, I need to ask her about the the heist. I don't Mm -hmm. give a shit about what happened. And it just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird weird game um diego how do you kind of feel about this like resolution to the evelyn plot line yeah i mean it's like as you were saying i think uh i don't know like my biggest feeling with cyberpunk is uh like after uh, what, what we talk about in in this episode uh and kind of like that dissonance and there's this like that back and forth between not just beyond is this a good game or is this a bad game but i don't know it's like the biggest scenario where where I'm thinking like oh to be a fly on the wall like all the discussions and all the mm-hmm. uh, ideas that had somehow mm-hmm. like uh, that that thankfully made it into the game, um, and you have like all these mixed I don't know like mixed bag of like 
ideas and mechanics and stories and portrayals and stereotypes and yada yada. Uh, and I don't know, it's like it's it's such a conflictive uh, game to parse through. I think. Mm. Um, I don't know. I I think I, I still have like uh, reckon with those thoughts. Uh, like after all this time, and I don't know. Like kudos to all of you for like going through the game again <laughs> uh, because it's like uh, I don't know. I would like to like go back and relive or like play certain scenes maybe, uh, and I probably can because I have like I don't know like two hundred mm. manual saves that I did that I had to. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I think the series of quests uh, is like. They made for a good example of mm -hmm. um, the, I don't know, like the saving grace of Cyberpunk and like all the shitty stuff that is in the game. Right. Yeah, Alma, how do you kind of feel about all this Evelyn stuff as we bring it to a close? Yeah, I agree. I, I wish they did more with her. And I think, you know, after I finished the game, I kind of went and, and you know, wanted to see what other people who had liked it were, were saying about it and it seems like a lot of the sentiment is very divided in either I think Evelyn is really great and didn't deserve what happened to her kind of what we're thinking or people who hate her completely like a lot of people seem to not like Evelyn at all even though in my opinion I don't think she did anything wrong and I really don't like that the game doesn't really take a stance on it I think obviously sometimes it is supposed to be an RPG, you can make your own decisions mm. and things like that, but I, I really don't like that they frame it, like you were saying, as in like, yeah, she got what was coming to her, it's her fault for trying to play the system. Mm. When they have built this city, Night City, they keep telling you it is a cutthroat city, you gotta do what you gotta do to survive, you know, mm. to make ends meet, but then when someone actually does that, which is Evelyn, because she, you know, is just trying to make ends, make ends meet and you know, surviving all of that, she gets punished for it. Mm. And it doesn't feel like it's in a sense of like, she gets punished for it because the city sucks and because it chews people up and spits them back out, which is what we see with a lot, a lot of other characters mm -hmm. get mm -hmm. that, that happens to them. Like Johnny gets that happened to them, Jackie and V as well. But for them, it feels a lot less like the narrative is punishing them. It just feels like, well, that's just how things, you know, shake out for them. Whereas for Evelyn, a lot of it, feels very much like the game mm. that the, the writers are directly you know beating on her very specifically right. if that makes sense yeah yeah jackie gets to die and that's it and then is like memorialized and remembered well whereas like evelyn it's drawn out like like there there almost feels like an inevitable inevitable conclusion as we were talking through this quest line that like oh like Evelyn's in a bad place, things could be really bad, and then it just keeps getting worse and worse. Right. Like this whole quest line is just, oh no, there's more atrocities being committed than we previously mm. thought, and um, it just keeps getting sadistically worse as it goes down. Mm. And I think the last thing I want to say here is that, like, well, ultimately, it felt like this quest line was also just kind of exploring a lot of stuff that will eventually be tackled more in Judy's quest line, which is stuff around the mocks and sex workers in this in the city and all that and just the idea that yes in in this the cyberized future um s you know sexualization of things is very commonplace and and we've already seen that through ads and stuff like that um and obviously in a major city like night city you have this entire pleasure district and all that um it, it just feels like a very quickly around the time that we get to the finger stuff and all that 
pivots from being what could have been an exploration of you know how those systems work in night city and how they're policed or not policed and and how they're handled um what you know what the mox's role is where the the seedier sides are and, and it just turns into a thing where it's like okay it's time for evelyn to you know the time for the plot to get reinvolved mm-hmm. time for v to take center stage again time for us to get back on track and johnny to say like really cruel things about all these people that are caught up in the system um yeah i just i i feel like it it loses the thread somewhere in the middle and i think that is maybe one of like my larger problems with cyberpunk is just how the factions never seem as fully explored as they should be and and never as fully reasoned as i wanted them to be um but maybe we'll get more yeah. of that when we get into the judy episode and, and, and dive yeah. deeper that was going to be kind of my like capping off point was like i feel like to to the game's credit everything that happened here acts as a springboard into what i think is one of the best kind of explorations of what it means to like live in night city and see things that are happening that are you know the various injustices that like an empathetic good person would want to try and find solutions for and maybe come into the conclusion that they alone cannot fix things and maybe it's not worth sticking around for but evelyn did not have to be the example for everything that happened because she's like it, they focus fire everything that is wrong with the sex industry in, in night city on her and to you know a conclusion that feels inevitable as we talk through it today and we'll learn more about how all this ties in because as i said we'll we'll get to the voodoo boys stuff which is kind of the next thread that we have to tug on in this mystery but for now that is the end of our episode as always we are normandy fm a retrospective podcast that covers a bunch of different games starting with mass effect and running all the way up to our most recent season final fantasy 10 and now we are on cyberpunk 2077 uh, if you want to bag us, if you want to help us out, you can head over to patreon.com slash normdfm and chip in. Any amount gets you into our backer discord where you can get updates on the latest episodes and talk about whatever games we are currently playing. Uh, the next highest tier, the middle tier, gets you these episodes as soon as they're being... Uh, 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 I promise I can talk today. <laughs> as soon as they are edited and published by Ken. Uh, and at the highest tier, you get your name shouted out on every episode. And this episode, that tier includes Mercedes Cluis, Meredith, Micah Mante, Shane Erickson, and Darius Pippins. Thank you all so much for contributing and helping us do what we do here at Normandy FM. For our guests, Diego, plug some stuff. Tell the people at home where they can find you. Sure. Uh, yeah, people can find me mostly procrastinating on Twitter at Diego Arguello sixty six. That's Arguello. Uh, and yeah, go read Into the Spine. That would make me happy. And go listen to uh, Turnabout Breakdown if you're a Ace Attorney fan, uh, yeah. which is a podcast we do with Shay Castello, uh, a known Miles Edgeworth connoisseur. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. Thank you. Oh, I love ace attorney that's i'm i'm so glad y'all are doing those uh i need to to get caught up on episodes because uh god phoenix Wright, the best alma where can the folks at home find all of your work yeah i'm on twitter at knife um and all my writing and things like that are linked there um yeah that's it for me 
Excellent. As always, you can find us at Normandy FM Show on Twitter and follow along on a podcatcher of choice. We also have Ken is at Shepherd CDR and I am at C Moosey on Twitter if you want to see all of our shit posts. But we'll see you next time for, for the Voodoo Boys episode where we're also going to keep the guest train rolling and keep on going. But for Ken, for Alma, for Diego, for myself, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Normandy FM. Oh, 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 o